It is great to see everybody tonight. It is always a pleasure to be be home, be here and be home. Uh, Heather and I just got in, uh, flew in from Colorado uh, earlier today where I'd been up there the past several days ministering. And um, and so I was, I'm excited to, to be here. And then I fly to North Carolina tomorrow where I'll be doing a two-day roping clinic and ministering up there. And then preach at a couple of services on Sunday at a church up there as well and be home Sunday night. So we appreciate you praying with us and believing God with us. Uh, if you haven't got a chance to catch our weekly uh, TV show on DirecTV, it comes on Sunday mornings at 8.30 on uh, 363 on Direct. I think uh, we come on right before T.D. Jakes. It's the Ballhead Club right there. <laughs> but that is, uh, God is really using that to, to make a difference for the kingdom, and we're very thankful for that. And um, Know that we love you. I know we hadn't seen a lot of you in, uh, for the past several months. We've been all over uh, the country and the world, and, uh, and so it's good. What God is doing is good, and we draw on the anointing of God on this house and on these ministries and on you uh, whenever we're, we're not here. Just know that you're with us. Amen. Amen. You're with us, and we appreciate you very much. Pastor, thank you for just believing in us and loving us and, and being behind us and you and Pastor Nat, we just honor you. Can we give our pastors a hand clap? Very thankful. Well, tonight um, I have the privilege of just sharing. Uh, I'm just going to connect with what Pastor taught last week as, as he taught on the principles of faith. And he just did such a great job on sharing with us how to take the word from our mind into our heart and that when it comes out of our mouth that our words are agents of change right. our words are, are our words of power and life and i, I just want to continue on in the process of faith and just that faith acts faith acts and so if you would go ahead and turn with me to Luke 17 and, you know, uh, just got back from Australia a week and a half or so ago and I was over there for 14 days. And usually uh, when I go over there, my schedule is very booked and tight and, uh, you know, Heather went with me the first time, but ever uh, other time that I've gone over there, it is, uh, man, I, I just go night and day and reach as many people as we can for the kingdom between the ministering and the roping and the... Um, but this trip was a little bit different. Um, and so I was just praying they had a, they wanted to do a rodeo competition, whereas America versus Australia. And they had asked me to be on the American team. And, and, and so, you know, I was praying about it and Heather and I was praying about what we were supposed to do. And, and so as I, as I was reading Luke 17, uh, verses 11 through 19 in the new King James, it says, now it happened as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourself to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. As they went... They were cleansed. And you know the rest of the story, how one of them came back and, and amplified. It says that he, he worshiped Jesus and he was thanking him over and over and over and over and over and over again. And Jesus said, it was your faith that made you well. But as I, I read the words, as they went, I knew the Lord was speaking to my heart that Trey, this trip is going to be a little bit different. But as you go, I'm going to open up opportunities for you. And so the only thing I had nailed down was the two rodeos, one in Mount Isa and one um, in Concurry. And so that phrase, just as I went, and so for days I would just meditate on that scripture. And just, and just as we get in this tonight, I want to ask you, what has God been talking to you about that it's time to act on? Because faith is not just hearing. Faith is not just meditating. 
Faith is not just declaring. All of that's a part. But faith is doing. And so, as I I took off, and I I just want to share just a few of the different deals. We don't have time to to go over all of it. But but I want you to, to, I'm believing that that phrase, as they went, lodges into our hearts tonight. As they went. And so I got on the plane and usually I fly, fly directly from Dallas to Sydney or Brisbane. This time I went from here to L.A. to a different route. When I flew into Mount Isa, remember remember the phrase, as they went. And so as I landed there in Mount Isa, the, the type of place that it was, they didn't even rent cars there. And so I'd known some people there and they had had me a car set up for me to drive. And so they picked me up at the airport. And as I landed there in Mount Isa, you know, we walk out from the tarmac in, into there and we get our bags and there's a, a lady there that she looked like she was going to be in the rodeo and so I was asking her are you in the rodeo and she said yeah I'm in the rodeo and uh, she said we're actually going to the schools tomorrow would you come with us remember as I went I said yeah I believe I will and and so this has nothing to do with it, but as as we left the, the airport, we get in this car. Now, remember, I'm on the wrong side of the road. The steering wheel is on the wrong side of the road. And, and so they had this little car, and so they're taking me. They said, oh, we want to take you to the rodeo arena and show you the rodeo arena. And, and so we go in there, and there, you know, she's driving around. And as, as she turns the car, the front wheel just passes us. And the car just digs into the dirt. And here we go right here with the, the, the picture of the, the car with no wheel on the front side there. You got it? Well, anyway, this little bitty car, you'll tell me whenever it comes up there. So I'm not just sitting there looking at it. So there it is. There's my ride right there. And so, so we dig, dig into the, to the, the road right there and the wheel goes off and I just start laughing. I've been flying for almost 30 hours, you know, so I was a little on the funny side anyway. And, and so I just laughed. And so they, you know, they didn't like it and they came and they was trying to fix it and everything. We pulled off lug nuts from all the other three and tried to place it back on them. And it was, and so they got me a different car and I, I called Heather and I videoed it and I sent it to her. I said, look, look how this is starting right here. This is awesome. You know, and and so sure enough, I go and I get situated that night. And the next morning, the place that I was staying at, they got me another car that drove better. Uh, that one, so. And so the people who were organizing the schools, they called and asked, okay, you know, would you go with us? And I said, yes, remember, as, as what? As we went. Uh, and so I went to the school and all the, the rodeo queens, the bronc riders, the different people, they had talked to them about their events and and so, you know, some schools, they won't let you talk about God and some of them, they will talk about God. And, and so when it came my turn and I, I used my rope and I started talking to them about the event and what I did with the rope and everything. But then I used the opportunity to start talking to them about the gift that God had placed on the inside of them and how each of us have gifts, but it's the choices with the gifts that cause us to be the people that God has called and created us to be. And I started talking to them about the different choices like focus, how focus with your gift will, will direct your talent. You know, and I talked to them about, you know, the choice of passion. Passion energizes your gift and talent. Whatever you're called to do and you're passionate about it, it energizes you. And I talked to them, remember the story of, of Socrates and the young man who wanted to come up and he wanted to be a philosopher. And he, he comes up to Socrates and Socrates could, you know, tell that he's a little arrogant and everything. And he asked him, what is it that you want? And he says, well, I want knowledge, Socrates. I want knowledge. And so Socrates, you know, put his arm around him and took him down to the ocean. And the whole time this young man's thinking, this is so strange, you know, and Socrates, they got in the water and he asked him, what is it that you want? And he says, I, I want knowledge. And he said, okay. And so he grabs him by the back of the head and he sticks his head under the water, you know, and he picks his head back up. And what is it that you want? He says, I, I want knowledge, Socrates. And so he sticks his head back under the water, bloop, 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 a little bit longer here, you know, and he picks his head back up. What is it that you want? I want knowledge, Socrates. And so he sticks his head this time and he holds it for a long time. (laughs) And it's, and he's kicking a leg and an arm and everything. He picks it back up and he says, what is it that you want? He says, I want air. I want air. (laughs) And Socrates said, when you want knowledge like you want air, then you'll get it. When we want the presence of God like we want air. We'll get it. And I talked to him about the choice of belief and how believing in the one who created them. Of course, you got to watch how you communicate that type of stuff. The one who created them, it always lifts us to the next level. 
And when we believe in the gift and we believe in the assignment, and I talked to him about the power of the choice to believe and how it always lifts us. And I, I talked to him about the young boy who went up from Colorado and he was taking a hike and, and he, on his hike, he finds this eagle and this eagle's nest. And inside the eagle's nest, he sees this egg and he, he takes the egg out. He looks around, makes sure mama's not watching, you know, and he goes back down to the farmyard and he, and he sticks it underneath the, the hen. And so here the, the little, the eaglet egg is underneath the mama hen and the little chicken, chickens are starting to hatch, you know, a wing here and a wing here and a beak here. And next thing you know, the little eaglet, it pops its arms out. And so they're out in the, the barnyard and they're pecking around, you know, and from time to time that eaglet, he would have a desire to, to fly high to the far mountains. And he would, he knew that he was different, but he'd keep his wings in and he would suffocate that passion and that desire on the inside of him because everybody else was acting like a chicken. So he thought he needed to act like a chicken, you know, so he had, he would, he would ignore that desire. He would ignore that, that the real him on the inside until one day he's out there and this eagle flies over the barnyard and he loses sight of everybody else around him but he gets his eyes upon the eagle and the real him started to come alive and the next thing you know he sticks a wing out and he sticks another wing out and he begins to move and the next thing you know it begins to lift him and then the next thing you know he's flying to the far mountains that he once just dreamed of because he allowed the real him to come out and of course, I acted a little bit more of the chickens with the kids than I did with you, but it made an impact on them. And I got to share with them and, and I got to do that at a couple different schools. And there's some of them right there and several hundred uh, kids from between the two different schools that we got to go to that day. Remember, as we went, see, when we move, then God moves. Later, later on, a couple of nights later, I'm leaving the rodeo, and so I'm in a, 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 a land cruiser, you know, and I'm on the wrong side of the road, on the wrong side of the car. I can't tell you how many times I sit and get over it, and I get in the passenger seat, and I just sit there, and I'm thinking, all right, this is wrong, and i got to get out and go on the other side. And then it's a standard, so I'm really, and I'm trying to, you know, do it from kilometers to miles per hour, and I'm thinking, and I pull out of the rodeo, and these cop, cop lights are, they come up behind me, and I'm thinking, oh, bless the Lord, you know. <laughs> Did I go too fast? What so there wasn't any place to, to pull off the road. You know, it's cliche on both sides. And so I just finally, I just stop in the middle of the road, you know, and they pull up beside me. And I'm like, I'm not from here. I apologize. I don't know what you want to do. They said, follow me. And they're laughing, you know, and they, so I'm like, all right. So I pull off in the ditch. And, and as they're walking up to the car, there's, it's two guys, it's two guys and a girl. And they're just, they're just looking at me, you know, and they're smiling and he's talking to her and he's smiling and get up. And I'm just like, all right, you know, this is kind of odd. And they're like, I knew it was you. I told them it was you. I, our kids told us about you yesterday at the schools and everything. And, and, the, and so I got to talking to the guy and he says, are you, are you doing church or anything? And I said, yeah, I'm going to do it tomorrow. Cause they'd never had church at this rodeo before. And they had, as, as I went, met the president of the rodeo and, you know, got to talk to him and they said, yeah, would you, that'd be great to have church. He said, I'm coming. So the cop comes to church the next day. Before, before that happens, they said, well, since we pulled you over, it's a law and you got you got to blow in the breathalyzer. And so I was like, well, it's been some years since I've had to blow in one of these things, but here we go. <laughs> but see, <laughs> yeah. if I'd have been thinking out of video the whole time, just so y'all could enjoy the experience with me. I did pass. Hey, yeah, I should, I should uh, clarify that. I did pass. So that was good. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't, yeah, yeah, I won, yeah. <laughs> but as I win, and, and, and so the next night that we just compete, we did church and everything the next year after that, but, but one of the nights on Friday night, they had over there, it's just a lot different. The culture is just a lot different, and, and we're going into areas where the concept of God is a foreign concept to a lot of them. And so it's rough and it's tough, and so they'd have the bull riding this one night, and then they had a boxing ring right beside the, the bull riding. And so I was like, well, I got to watch some of this now. So they had the bull riding. And then what they would do is they would bring up the boxers. Let's see. Oh, oh yeah, this one. Go to the other one, the other boxing one right there. So, so what they would do, these guys would come out of the crowd. Go to the other one. Is there another boxing one? Or is that the only one? Yeah, that right there. So they, they would bring these guys out. These guys were the boxers that traveled with them. Now, remember, as I went. Now, I don't get in the boxing ring. I already had that settled out. Right? They weren't going to call me out. I wasn't going to get in there. And so go to the next one there. And so these guys traveled all the time. And then they just started taking volunteers out of the crowd who would like to box and everything. And so, and then go to the next one. 
And so this is the action right here. And this guy on the right, I mean, he gets cold. He does the chicken and everything, you know. And so anyway, but what happens as I'm sitting there and I watched just a couple of fights and I'd had enough of it, you know, just the environment, everything. But it was something I was like, man, you don't see this all the time. So, you know, so. But as I was at member, as I what? As I went, I was watching inside the, the tent and all the top athletes and stuff were there. And, and it's just a repeat of the drugs and the alcohol, uh, the language, the culture, really rough. And I just got to thinking, okay, how are we going to change the environment of this culture? And so the next day I, I went to the, one, one guy's the president of the Professional Rodeo Association over there, another guy's on the board. And, and he just, be, they, you know, we begin to talk about this and they're just like, man, it's just a repeat of just the same thing year in, year out, decade in, decade out. They don't know any different. And, and so I started talking to them about if we can reach the next generation, then we can change the future. That if we can start teaching them how to think and teach them how to grow in here, then everything else out here is going to grow. And so through the process of the next couple of weeks, I got to lead several of them to the Lord of those kids. And so I, I talked to them and they got, they picked 17 of the top up and coming athletes to start doing a development program. And I met with them and their families and just shared with them what our heart was. And that day I just talked to them about the importance of their value. And how it is important that in order to add value, they've got to see value. And church, that's a message for all of us. That you are very valuable. And in order for you to add value, you've got to see value. Because if you can't see value, you can't add value. And I gave them the example of the, the and you've seen this one before, the $100 bill. If I had a $100 bill and I'd lift it up and I'd say, who would want this $100 bill? What would you say? Okay, five of you. How about the rest of you lie? I mean, we we say we say me, right? And if and if I crumbled it up or if I stepped on it, there's poop on it, oil, gas, whatever's on it. Don't matter what happened. I, well, and I said, who wants this? What would you say? Me. Why? Because the treasury has set the value on the hundred dollar bill, no matter where it came from or what it went through. And I started talking to these young kids about their value set on them by their creator. No matter where they come from or what they go through, nothing can change their value. But they've got to see value before they can add value. And Monday morning at 4.30, I, I did my first call with them. Of course, it's 4.30 in the morning here and over there. It's not time because there's 15 hours difference. But we're, as I went, God is opening up opportunities to change the next generation. Because if we change the next generation, the future changes. What is what has God been talking to you about that you need to act on? And I could go on and on with the different things. Every day God would do something. As I went, God would open up the doors and I'd go over the scripture and I'd meditate on it like pastor was teaching us and I'd declare it out of my mouth. And But then, okay, Lord, as I go, I'm expecting the opportunities to come up. It was so funny. Our, when we got to Mount Isa and the rest of the American team got over there, our bus drivers, and I'm not... Just, just go with me here. It was phenomenal what happened. And so, man, I, I eat something that was just messed up or something that day. And I mean, it gets on me fast. We're at that night and they have this big introduction where they bring us out and they do all this type of stuff. And I just told her, I said, you know, I, I, I ain't take me back to the room. I just, I'm going to rest and get the word in me and everything. And, and usually I'm, I'm just, I try to be real sensitive of who I'm with and everything. And because she's, I mean, she's at the time didn't know the Lord, you know, and so I just said, I'm going to pray out loud, and I want you just to agree with me. And I just want you to know what I'm doing. I'm praying. I'm not. And I just begin to take dominion and authority over this thing. When I got done praying, I said, pull over. And I just, I mean, I threw up I, like five times more than I've thrown up in a long time. Just right there. And I was like, whew, feels so much better. I get in, and she's just looking at me. <laughs> she's like, I've never seen anything like that before in my life. And so it opened up the door for her. I talked to her about Heather and her story and my story. And, and our bus driver ended up giving her life to the Lord. See, as, yeah, give God praise. It's awesome. Awesome. As I went. It was so funny. The, the last Sunday that I was there, I, I preached that morning. Another at Mount Isa, they hadn't had church there before. And they had said, well, you know, would you have church and everything? And a lot of people accepted the Lord, give their life to the Lord. But it was so different because that night... A pastor in town had contacted me and everything, and I was going to preach at a church that night, and, and I was going to preach at the rodeo that morning. The difference of the crowd, I mean, they're rough, they're tough, but when the Spirit of God got to moving upon them, their response instead of, oh, yes, amen, brother, it was, hell yeah. 
I think that is great right there, you know. And I just got to just tickled on the inside of me because I was like, well, we're not in church, are we? And then that night, it was so funny because it was total opposite at church, you know. But all of us have to start right where we're at. Right out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I could tell you some stories of some stuff coming out of people when I was praying with them to accept the Lord that would just cause a religious person to wrinkle your feathers. (laughs) But we got to start where we're at, right? As I went. And I could go on and on, but I'm going to... I'm going to get into to, to what the heartbeat of tonight is that when God is talking to you and I about doing something, he always has other people on his mind. See, when he gifted us and he graced us is because he already saw the people that you're connected to and called to. And it's very important that we just don't sit here and learn about faith and we stay home and we say, well, I believe God is going to do marvels and wonders and extraordinary manifestations of the greatness of our God and an abundant harvest. And that's a part of it. But what is God telling you to do? Because faith acts. James chapter two, verse 17. Go with me over there. James chapter two, verse 14. Let's start in verse 14. What are we doing with what God is talking to us about? In the New King James, it says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? Now listen to this in the New Century Version. I'm going to read several verses here in the New Century Version. It says, My brothers and sisters, if people say they have faith but do nothing, their faith is worth nothing. Can faith like that save them? See, a a faith that does nothing is worth nothing. Let's keep going. Verse 15, a brother or sister in Christ might need clothes or food. If you say to that person, God be with you. I hope you stay warm and get plenty to eat. But you do not give what that person needs. Your words are worth nothing. In the same way, faith by itself that does nothing is dead. Faith that does nothing is dead. Faith that does nothing is worth nothing. And if faith that does nothing is worth nothing, then faith that does something is worth something. Now you and I both know we don't receive salvation by works. We receive it by faith. But once we are new creatures in Christ Jesus, Ephesians chapter 2 tells us we're recreated to do good works. And it says faith that does nothing is worth nothing. Faith can be seen. Faith is discernible. Remember in Luke chapter 5, whenever they brought their friend on the, the stretcher and the Bible says that the power of the Lord was present to heal all of them. There's doctors and lawyers and, and they come from Judea and Jerusalem and all the different parts. And it says the power of the Lord was present to heal them all. But when they showed up, they couldn't get in because of the crowd. And so what did they do? They took them up on the roof and as they dropped their friend through the roof, the Bible says Jesus saw their faith. Power of the Lord was present. Nobody was receiving anything. And Jesus saw their faith. But the miracle still didn't happen because Jesus saw their faith. The miracle didn't happen because the power of the the Lord was present to heal all of them. The, The miracle didn't happen until he did what Jesus told him to do. Rise, take up your mat and go to your house. The miracle didn't manifest until he did something with what he was told. The power of God doesn't manifest God's will on earth as it is in heaven until we do something with what we're told. It's not about us just sitting here and say, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. What are you doing with what you say you believe? What is God talking to us about that we haven't done anything with? Well, I'm just waiting on the Lord. And I'm waiting. And I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. 
and I'm waiting and I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. 20 years later, you're still waiting. Hold, hold your place there. Go with me to Isaiah 40, verse 31. Uh, Tessa, if you could bring this up in the Amplified. I don't think it's on my notes up there. Well, no, it's not. Isaiah 40, verse 31 in the Amplified. Because the Bible does talk about waiting. But, but let's... When, when it comes to our inheritance, like Pastor was praying earlier, the wait is over. The inheritance is ours now. Healing is ours now. Provision is ours now. Forgiveness is ours now. Destiny is ours now. Purpose is ours now. Now, there are times that that we wait in the spirit realm, but we wait in faith and we keep doing what we know to do. Waiting doesn't mean being passive. It doesn't mean popping a squat and doing nothing. Listen, Listen to what he says. But those who wait for the Lord... Notice how in the Amplified, he, he amplifies it. Who expect, who look for, who hope in Him shall change and renew their strength and power. They shall lift their wings and mount up close to God. Mounting up doesn't seem, sound like doing nothing. They shall mount up close to God as eagles mount up to the sun. They shall run. That's not doing nothing and not be weary. They shall walk. That's not doing nothing and not faint or become tired. So when we're waiting on God, it's to renew our strength. It's to renew our vision. It's to renew our hope so we can run and so we can walk and so we can do what God has called and created us to do. A faith that does nothing is worth nothing. Go back to James chapter 2. Go with me to verse 18. It says, Someone might say, You have faith, but I have deeds. Show me your faith without doing anything, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe there's one God? Good. But the demons believe that too, and they tremble with fear. Now, James compares their faith to demon faith. How many of us say, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, and James says, good job. That's what the devils do. You know, there's no atheist devil. There's no agnostic devil. They believe that he is almighty. They believe they know who he is. But they don't do anything in an honorable way with what they believe. How many of us sit here and say, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. I'm just going to put this on me so you don't get ruffled. I don't want him to compare me to the faith of a demon. What am I doing with what God is talking to me about? What am I doing with my family, with what God is talking to me about? What am I doing with my businesses, with what God is talking to me about? What am I doing with my believing? Let's keep going. Verse 20 through 26. Some of you don't know how you like that, but you'll be okay. Says you foolish person, you must be shown that faith does that does nothing is worth nothing. Abraham, our ancestor, was made right with God. Now I want to clarify something. When I was talking about the demon faith, and I'm not calling you a demon or anything like that, all right? So just you're with me, right? You're tracking with me? Everybody good? Everybody, everybody smile? Say I'm okay. All right. Verse 20, it says, You foolish person must be shown that faith that does nothing is worth nothing. Abraham, our ancestor, was made right with God by what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. So you see that Abraham's faith and the things that he did worked together. His faith was made perfect by what he did. This shows the full meaning of the scripture that says Abraham believed God and God accepted Abraham's faith. And that faith made him right with God and Abraham was called God's friend. So you see that people are made right with God by what they do, not 
by faith only. Faith that does nothing is worth nothing. Verse 26, just as a person's body that does not have a spirit is dead, so faith that does nothing is dead. So we know faith comes by what? Hearing Hearing and hearing by the word of God. In the Amplified, it says faith comes by hearing the message that we're told. And I like what it says. It says it, it comes by hearing the message that comes from the lips of Christ. When it comes from the lips of the anointed one and his anointing, it quickens. When we hear what God is saying, not just with our head, but with our heart, it quickens. But that's not when the power of God shows up to to reveal his will on earth as it is in heaven. The power of God manifests only whenever the anointed word quickens me and now I do something with it. Then his super comes upon my natural. What am I doing with what God is saying? Faith comes. But faith does. Acts 14 in the New King James Version. Acts 14. What are we doing with what God's talking to us about? Verse 8, it says, And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking And Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. So notice as he was hearing Paul preach, he was hearing the word of God. He was hearing the word of God. And Paul perceived this man had never walked before in his life. He had been a cripple from his mother's womb. But the miracle didn't take place just because he was hearing the word of God. The miracle didn't take place when Paul perceived that he had faith to be healed. The miracle took place when he did something with what he was hearing. What am I doing with what I'm hearing? Faith is an act. A faith that does nothing is worth, but faith that does something is worth, it's worth something. Let's keep going. John chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. So we're hearing the word of God. If you come to this church and you do, and if you're watching maybe for the first time, you're going to hear the word of the living God. You're going to hear strategies that are going to change your life. It's going to change your marriages, your finances. But it's not just about hearing. It's not just about coming to church. It's about what are we doing with what we're hearing. We don't need more information necessarily. We need more doing. Do I truly... How many times do you back off from from your word and you read something or you're looking at your notes from Pastor Justin or Dr. Savell and you ask, if I truly believe this, how would I think? If I truly believe this, how would I talk? If I truly believe this, how would I act? Because faith is an action. And if I truly believe something, I'm going to act. You can tell me that you believe this and you believe this and you believe this. But when you're persuaded, when your heart is overflowing with the word of God, you're quickened by the anointing of God. You're going to do something with what you've been hearing. If you're not doing something, you truly don't believe it. Remember John chapter five, the the pool of Bethesda, the five porches. Look at verse three. And he says, in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now picture this. Here, here they are. They've, they've all different types of condition. It didn't matter if you had a headache or if you had a terminal disease. When the gifts of the Spirit begin to move, an angel come down. And they're just sitting out there. They're talking. They're doing this. And all of a sudden, the angel begins to stir the water. And when the angel stirred the water, miracles didn't begin to happen because the angel stirred the water. The miracles didn't manifest until the first person stepped in, stepped in, stepped in. In steps, the footsteps of a righteous person are ordered by God. Stepped in when they did something, then the miracle was manifested. 
When we do something with what God's talking to us about, then we tap into the manifestation of the power of God. We seek God. We hear what he's saying coming from the lips of the master himself. We're quickened and then we do. And then he does his part. What are we doing with what he's talking to us about? Go with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 35. Faith that does nothing is worth nothing. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. And he says, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, after you have what? Done the will of God, you may receive the promise for yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. We're not of those who draw back. There's no drawing back in us. We don't draw back whenever God's talking to us about doing something. We step forward into what God has for us. It says, but we're going to have need of endurance. We're going to have need of patience. We're going to have need to keep stepping. That after we have done the will of God, that we might receive the promise. But we want to receive the promise first and then... We'll do what God's telling us to do. We want to see it first. And then, I believe, I believe, I believe. If you're doing anything, I believe. See, our flesh doesn't like the unknown. Our flesh doesn't like not knowing all the details. But you know, God isn't going to show you all the details ahead of time. Oh, God, guide me, guide me, guide me, guide me, guide me, guide me. And if you were to look into your spirit, you have the car in park with the emergency brake on. You're taking the keys out and throwing it out the window. Guide me, guide me. And he said, hey, get the keys first. Put the emergency brake down. And all he's going to tell you is, okay, put it, put it in reverse. Why? 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 So our, our mind wants to know why. Why? Because most of the time when he tells you to do something, it's not going to make sense. And all kidding aside, don't, don't let... Your analytical mind talk you out of your destiny. Well, that's just the way I am. And that's the way you're going to stay until you're willing to, to put it in drive. See, we've got to realize that what we're doing is worth it. You've got to realize that the battle I'm facing right now is worth it because on the other side of the battle is the promised land. On the other side of taking this giant down is the promised land. You've got to make it, settle it in your heart. It's worth it for me to overcome. Why? Because there's good, the good land, the good promises, the good victory on the other side. It's worth it for you to step out and trust God. Instead, most of the time we're, we're sitting, it's dark, the lights are shining, we're sitting in the car. Wonder, wonder what's beyond that light. God, guide me. Guide me. Come to church. Ah, oh, yeah, guide me. Guide me. You're not going to see beyond the light until you just start, start easing that way. You start easing that way, then you begin to see what's beyond. After you have done the will of God, then you receive the next strategy. Then you receive the next relationship. Then you receive the next revelation. Then you receive the next step. But we want all of it ahead of time, and that isn't that doesn't take faith then. And the just shall live how? By faith. Say, guide me. But we're going to put it in drive, right? Go with me to Exodus 14. And while you're going over to Exodus 14, I just want to read continuation from Hebrews 10 into Hebrews 11. You know, the hall of faith. 
And it says, by faith, this is verse 7 and 8 of Hebrews chapter 11, by faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according of faith. Notice how when he heard, what did he do? He moved. He heard, you think beyond his mind, it had never rained. And God's telling him to build an ark? Why? 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 I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> but he said he, he heard and then he moved. He heard and then he moved. He heard and then he moved. Then God showed up. He heard and then he moved and God showed up. When we hear, we move and God shows up. We hear, we move and God shows up. We hear and then we want to skip the second one and we want God to move. We hear and you move. See, we like God to do everything and we're just going to come to church and smile. But no, we hear. We move, then God moves. We hear what is God talking to you about and what's your next move. For some of you, maybe it's to forgive somebody. For some of you, maybe he's been talking to you about uh, give this or serve here or do this. You hear, you're quickened, now move in order to step into what God has for you. Verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Not knowing. God, I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. Perfect. Remember, a faith that does nothing is worth nothing. What are we doing with what God is talking to us about? Exodus 14, verse 13 through 16. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. And you can just picture the Lord. Hey, Mo. And he says, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. So notice he's saying, stand still. And the Lord says, "Uh, uh, hey, Mo, I don't need you to stand still. I need you to move. Notice the sea didn't part until they took a step. Most of the time, you're not going to step into what God has for you until you're willing to take a step. What are we doing with what God's talking to us about? Am I willing to do something with what I've been hearing? Yes, meditate it. Yes, declare it. But yes, do something. Faith is an action. When you start talking to God about the next move, He's going to start talking to you about the next move. What am I doing with that dream God has placed on the inside of me? What am I doing with this vision that God has placed on the inside of me? What am I doing? I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. I'm more spiritual. Guide me, guide me, guide me. I believe in guiding, guiding, guiding. Not going nowhere. So you put it in drive and you begin to move. What are we doing with what God is talking to us about? Go with me to Joshua chapter 3. And I'm kind of summarizing some of that just for time's sake. As you're turning to Joshua chapter 3, I, I want to read to you Hebrews chapter 11 verse 29. So you know the miracle that took place whenever they heard from God and they moved and then they saw the parting of the Red Sea, right? Now, when you step and move, remember, remember David, whenever he was restoring the Ark of the Covenant back to, the, back to Israel, and the first time he got the direction of the Lord, and he didn't check back in with God, and he just took off. And, and he had the men, and Uzziah, the, the ox, stumbled, and, and the Ark was going to fall, and Uzziah reached up, and he grabbed it, and it killed him. And David just got mad. Didn't understand. Why, God? Why? So they put the Ark of the Covenant, he just put it on hold for a while. Until he got his heart right. God dealt with him and everything. And then he went back this time. And then he would take six steps. And then he would stop. Everything okay, Lord? He had worship. 
See, when you get direction from God, don't just take off and run off with it and never check back in. See, six, six represents the number of man. He would take six steps realizing that I can only do so much. I'm going to do only what you tell me to do. And then I'm going to stop. And I'm going to check my heart. Everything okay, God? We doing okay? Then we hear. We're quickened. We do. Joshua chapter 3. The children of Israel at this time, I mean, they, the other generation had, had fallen off full of doubt and unbelief and fear and they died off of it. Joshua and Caleb, I mean, they're chomping at the bits, you know. I mean, they had been hearing and, and, and had the image of God's promise on the inside of them to the point, I mean, 80 years old, he says, I'm just as strong as I was 40 years ago. Give me this mountain, you know. And so you had a new generation of believers rise up and, and Joshua chapter 3 verse 13 It says, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off the waters that come down from upstream and they shall stand as a heap. Notice this. They were trying to cross the Jordan and God says, all right, this is what I want you to do. The priests that are carrying the ark of the covenant, I want them to step into the river. Notice he didn't part the sea like he did the Red Sea. He didn't do it the same way every time. A lot of times we want to put God in a box. But that's why it's always important to have the Word and to listen to the Spirit. The Spirit will never contradict the Word. That's why it's important to have a relationship with the Word of the living God and then listen to the Spirit of God. So he said, okay, as soon as the priests step into the Jordan carrying the ark, he says, then the water started to be cut off. Then, as soon as they stepped, then they saw the power of God. Now picture this. You have the men of God carrying the ark of God and they're standing. And all of a sudden, this water just starts moving and parting. And they stand for this water to part as thousands of people come walking by. Them and all their cattle come walking by. And they're holding the ark of the covenant in the water. And then it, it, it parts up and all of them come. I mean, can you imagine the, what their mind is doing? Why? Why, God? Why did you got to do it like this? Why? I don't know, but I, it sure is cool. <laughs> and then, then listen to what the instructions that they get. Verse 14. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over. This Joshua three fourteen. They set out from the camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water. For the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. That the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zerin. So the waters that went down into the Sea of Arabian and the Salt Sea failed and were cut off and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Now, go go with me to chapter 4, Joshua 4, 15 and 18. Then the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Command the priests who bear the ark of the testimony to come up from the Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priest, saying, Come up from the Jordan. And it came to pass when the priests who bore the ark, the covenant of the Lord, had come from the midst of the Jordan and the soles of the priest's feet, touched the dry land, that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its bank as before. So Joshua, they were standing in the water. The water, uh, it holds up as a wall. And then Joshua commands them. Once again, he hears God again. They do. And as they move, then things go back to the way that they were. Remember in John chapter 2, Jesus, the mother of Jesus says, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And they had the six pots and they were 20 to 30 gallons a piece. And, and he said, okay, remember the miracle, it didn't turn from water to wine as soon as it started happening. It turned from water to wine as they moved. He said, you, you go and you fill up the pots with the water. So they filled up the six pots with the water. Still wasn't a miracle manifest there, but they were moving with the next step. And then he says, now, now dip it out and take it to the feast of the, the marriage. And then as he tasted it, then the water was turned to wine. But it started, the process started them hearing and then doing. Hearing and then doing. What am I doing with what God is telling me? What am I doing with the dream that God has put in my heart? What am I doing with the strategies that come out of this house every week? What am I doing? If I would just take one thing and apply it, if I, what, what is the last thing God has told you to do? Do you have God's word on it? Or are you acting on God's word? 
Yes, meditate it. Yes, declare it. Yes, get it overflowing. But when it's quickened on the inside of you, then move. What am I doing with what God is telling me? Every single one of us in this place, there's something that God is speaking to you about. But do you believe that what God is talking to you about is going to lead you to better than what you have now? Because if we don't believe it's better, then we're not going to be willing to do it. But when we realize when our Heavenly Father speaks, it's always to give us life and life more abundantly. When He speaks, it's always to set us free. When He speaks, it's always to get us to our destiny. When He speaks, it's always to elevate us. When He speaks, it's always to bring change. What are we doing with what He's talking to us about? Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? Father, I just thank you for your faithfulness. And I thank you for what you're stirring in each and every individual in this place. That as we go, we step in to the manifestation of your power. Father, we want want to be in that place that we hear and that we do. And we are in that place where we hear... And we do. And Father, you said whenever we step out and we do what your word says, that we are blessed. We are empowered to prosper. We are empowered to succeed. There's an impartation that's made from you to us that empowers us to move forward in our life. And Father, we're not going to be moved by what we see or how we feel. We're only moved by your word. And as we move on your word, I'm asking you to watch over your word to perform it. Now, Father, I call this word sealed into our heart, and I declare that it does not return void, that it produces a harvest even while we sleep. We hear the voice of a good shepherd saying, go here, do this, do that. And as we move, Father, your super comes upon our natural. As we move, the manifestation of your power is in and on our life. As we move, we walk into the marvels and wonders and extraordinary manifestations of the greatness of you. As we move, we step right into that abundant harvest. As we move, we receive. As we receive, we move. As we move, we receive. And Father, I declare... That this is a house of miracles. And Father, your word says in the day of our willingness, we walk in your power and we let you know we are willing. Not only are we asking you to guide us, we are willing to move. We are willing to step. We are willing to be led. We are willing to be directed. We are willing to be corrected. We are willing to be instructed. We are willing, Father, to let go of what we think we know to embrace what you are saying. We have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying right now to us, the body of Christ. And we thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Did you get something out of the Word tonight? Thank you, Lord.